Welcome to the Small Jar Podcast, where we moms of teens find the power to step off the emotional roller coaster between motherhood and the empty nest. I'm your host, Jennifer Collins. Episode number 59. Hello, my friends. This week, I want to share something a little bit different. You might have seen that I do periodic group coaching calls, and I wanted to share the call that I did a few weeks ago where I talk about relationships because I think it's such a powerful topic for all of us as we're dealing with our teens and we're approaching the empty nest. So typically with these calls, I do about a 15 to 20 minute workshop in the beginning, and then I'll answer questions in the chat. I'll coach people through the chat, and then I will bring a few people up to get coached live on the call. But otherwise, people are fairly anonymous on the call. And so for this episode, I wanted to share the workshop portion as well as the Q&A portion. And I've cut out the coaching session to respect the privacy of those that were brave enough to get coached. But I hope you get a sense from this group call a little bit of an understanding of some of the tools that I share with my students in Mom 2.0. And in that program, I work with women individually in one-on-one coaching, but group coaching also is a powerful way to learn from each other's experience. So I hope you'll enjoy this episode. Thanks so much for listening. Hello and welcome as everyone's joining. Just want to invite you to grab a coffee and settle in. Thank you so much for being here. So this week's call is focused on teens, love, and life. And every couple of weeks, I'll be having these Saturday morning group coaching calls where I invite subscribers to join for free to learn some tips about how to manage their emotional life. And so if you have friends that you'd like to invite to future calls, please feel free to pass that information along. And today we're going to focus on relationships. All of us obviously have relationships. And more often than not, we have challenges with relationships. This is typically a pain point that so many of my clients come to me with. And often, since many of my clients are mothers, one of the primary pain points we have is the relationship we have with our teenagers. But we also have um, pain points in our relationships with our husbands, our ex-husbands, our bosses, our friends, our mothers, our neighbors. Just about everyone in our life can present a pain point when it comes to relationships. So one interesting thing I've found is that in coaching, we almost always end up coaching about the relationship we have with ourselves. So before I get started, I just want to dive in for a second and introduce myself. My name is Jennifer Collins. I'm a certified life coach, and I'm the mom of two boys. And I've been exploring life coaching and self-development for probably my entire life, but most intentionally over the past 15 years as I've been a seeker of self-improvement for some time and largely inspired by my mother. And for many years, I've found things that have made me feel better for a time. Like I've set aside time for yoga. I learned how to meditate. I journaled. And I tried to learn how to relax and prioritize myself. And while those things would work for some period of time, I'd always find myself stressed and overwhelmed or frustrated again once the effects of whatever I'd been doing wore off. But then when my boys became teenagers, I felt like my stress and anxiety levels went through the roof. And that's when I really I dove into life coaching. I got my own life coach, and that's when everything changed for me. And I became so inspired and energized by these tools that I knew that I had to share them. So I got certified. And I specifically focus my program on women with teens or young adult children. And so it's it's my passion to help women. 
And today I'm going to give you a taste of some of the practices that have made all the difference for me in terms of how I've been able to manage my own anxiety and frustration, but also how I've been able to vastly improve and strengthen the relationships I have with my boys, with my husband, and most especially with myself. So there are two reasons why I focus my coaching on women who are navigating what I call the road to and through the empty nest. And that's first because as our kids grow up and become more independent and our life is inevitably changing in so many ways, we find ourselves on this roller coaster of negative emotions. And because we've been raised to believe that other people and the circumstances in our life make us feel a certain kind of way, we tend to attribute all of our feelings to what's going on in our life. But the problem is when we think that and so many things are changing in our life, we become at the effect of so many things that are out of our control. And so our emotions feel out of our control. And so there we get the roller coaster. And we can't change the fact that our kids are growing up, that they will eventually move away. They're developing their own independence and their own independent perspectives. And that may be in ways that we don't want. And we also can't change the fact that we're aging, that our lives are moving on, our hormones are raging. So if all of these circumstances are in control of our lives, how can we find our power if we're powerless to change the circumstances of our lives? The second reason I love helping women at this stage in life is that after 20 or more years of focusing our lives and the purpose of our lives and our kids, we're often so out of practice and figuring out how to prioritize ourselves. And so one of the things I like to work with my clients on is figuring out how to prioritize themselves, their own well-being, and their own goals without letting down their kids or their families. As you can see, so much of this focus has to do with relationships with our kids and families and with ourselves. Maybe even the relationship we've had with our past self and with our future self. So there's so many different ways to explore relationships. And today I want to give you at least one skill to take away with you to begin to gain more awareness about your life and your relationships. And if you take in this one skill, this will vastly improve the relationships you have in your life. So just a few logistics. I posted a workbook in the chat. Feel free to download it. I'll touch on a few key aspects of the workbook, but I invite you to dive in further after the call. I'll also send it out by email. You should each have access to the chat. Feel free to type something in. Tell me where you're from just to make sure it's working. I want this to be interactive. So feel free to ask questions, answer questions, ask for help in the chat. Um, I'd love to make sure that everyone gets what they need out of this call. I'm the only one who can see what you write in the chat. And I'm going to teach for about 15 minutes, and then I'd like to invite one or two of you um, to volunteer to come and get coached. And if that's something that you want to do, please feel free to raise your hand, and I can bring you up on video, and I can coach you. And what I want you to consider when it comes to group coaching is this is an intimate group. None of you know each other, to my knowledge. And I've been coached in groups. I've coached groups many times. And what happens when you watch somebody else get coached is that even if their circumstances are completely different than yours, we're all so um, at the heart of it similar in terms of our emotional experience and the range of emotions that we go through that inevitably you will find nuggets of gold and inspiration in the coaching you see of uh, someone else. So I invite you to consider to be brave enough to raise your hand to get coached because you really will, in addition to hopefully feeling better yourself, inspire some change in your fellow attendees. So let's get into relationships. And the goal here is to help you create more powerful results 
and deeper connections with the people you care about. And frankly, even some space and peace in the relationships you have with people that you don't like or don't care about. And as we go into details, I'm going to be focusing some of the examples on our relationship with our teens. But you can apply these principles to any relationship you have in your life. So what is a relationship? As we're thinking about this, just in your mind's eye, think about one relationship you have that's particularly frustrating to you. Feel free to think about a particular circumstance or something recently that's happened that's triggered you feeling frustrated. When we feel frustrated, we're often thinking that the other person shouldn't have done something, or they should be doing something that they're not, or that you just don't like what they're doing. So think about if this resonates for you and feel free in the chat to write in, what are the thoughts that come up for you when you're thinking about this other person? What shouldn't they have done or what do you not like them to do? And often when you're thinking about this thing, you're thinking about what they're doing or not doing, and you can start to attribute adjectives to their behavior or to who they are. So in this case, we don't even know what the example is that I'm talking about. But in this case, this mom is thinking that their kid is being irresponsible and reckless, disrespectful and lazy based on whatever it is the child is doing or not doing. So when we think these things, disrespectful, lazy, you shouldn't have done that, you're irresponsible, I can't stand it when you do this, of course we feel frustrated, right? There's no other way that you would feel if you're thinking all these things. So I just want to normalize that this is a shared experience that we all have. When you observe somebody else doing something that you don't like, of course you feel frustrated. And so that forms, those thoughts form a view of who the other person is or who what their behavior is like. So in this case, I'm entering in a daughter and the mom is thinking her daughter is disrespectful, lazy, irresponsible, and reckless based on whatever behavior the daughter is engaging in. But guess what? The other person in the relationship, in this case, the daughter, has views about who we are based on our behavior. So let's just say this daughter thinks, we're unreasonable, controlling, and mean as moms. So mom's thinking daughter's disrespectful, lazy, irresponsible, and reckless, and daughter's thinking mom's unreasonable, controlling, and mean. So the quality of the relationship between these two people is determined by the quality of thoughts we have about the other person. So in this case, the quality of the relationship, at least in this moment, is strained, is frustrating because of the thoughts these two people are having about each other. You can contrast that to someone in your life who you love, who you think is just fantastic. And the thoughts you have about that person are, that person is wonderful. They're so supportive. I love spending time with them. I love everything about them. And so you can see the quality of those thoughts create in our mind a relationship that is much more positive than the one we're observing now. So the relationship we have with someone is really just our thoughts about that other person. And it's typically based on the interaction of the perspectives of both people. You can almost think of it as the interaction between the thought bubbles of the two people in the relationship. And so here's how this works. If I, as a mom, am frustrated and angry because I'm thinking my daughter is disrespectful, lazy, and irresponsible, I'm frustrated. And so from that feeling... I'm likely to yell at her or nag her, or try to get her to change, to be thinking about all of the ways I can fix her and get her to be less disrespectful and lazy and irresponsible. 
So daughter observes me yelling and nagging and trying to get her to change because I'm exhibiting those behaviors. I may not tell her that she's disrespectful and lazy, but I start talking to her in a way where she's observing my behavior as nagging and yelling. She sees this and now she has her own thoughts about those behaviors, which in this case are you're unreasonable, you're controlling, and you're mean. Now she feels frustrated based on her thoughts and she reacts to those feelings by yelling and slamming doors. So now everybody's yelling and there's no resolution. So this is the quality of the relationship, the interaction of our thoughts about each other. Now, as moms, we layer on something else, which is judgment about how we show up. So after we yell and nag and find ourselves consumed by the situation, now we think we've done it wrong. And we start to feel guilty because we're thinking we shouldn't have yelled. We shouldn't be nagging. We should be better somehow at controlling our kid and making them understand what we want them to do. And so I want to invite you, if you're in the situation or if you've experienced a situation where you've started to judge your own behavior, to give yourself permission to drop the guilt and allow yourself to just be curious about what's going on here. When we blame, and I started to say in the beginning that when we blame our feelings, and this is how we've been raised to believe, right, that other people and circumstances impact how we feel. But when we blame our feelings on the other person, we have no power because we ultimately can't change the other person as much as we'd like to think that we can. And so we put ourselves in a situation where we're waiting for the other person to change so we can feel better. Because if daughter would just stop being disrespectful and lazy and irresponsible, then I would get to feel great as a mom. But apparently daughter doesn't want to stop being disrespectful and lazy, or at least she probably doesn't characterize her behavior that way, but she doesn't want to stop what she's doing. She has reasons for doing what she's doing. And so if I can't change her, then I can't feel better if my feelings are based on her behavior. But when you understand that your feelings are actually being created by your perspective or your lens, you get to take your power back. So think about your lens as these rose-colored glasses that you use to view everything that happens in your life. And you're looking at those things that are happening, and now you're interpreting them a certain way. And that lens is what's creating the feeling for you. So how do we take our power back? I want to invite you to be curious about why whatever you want this person to do that they're not doing, why is it important to you? This curiosity opens you up to the possibility to think about how your relationship might change. And again, the relationship is your thoughts about the other person, how that might change if you stop to question your perspective. Now, this isn't about you thinking your perspective is right or wrong. Your perspective is what's true for you right now. But the problem is because we're often not aware of what our perspective is, we're reacting to our perspective and feelings unconsciously. We're not even aware that we have this perspective and why it's important to us. So we're reacting, we think, in response to the other person's behavior. So I developed something called the dream checklist, and that's the download you can find in the chat. And the concept behind this is that in any relationship we have, including the relationship we have with ourselves, we have a set of expectations. And these expectations are like our dream list, that if everything on this list came true, we could be happy. We could be at peace. We could just think everything was perfect, right? And there's some people in our life that 
for the most part, meet our list. Again, why the quality of our relationship feels easy because the expectations we have with them are a match in terms of how they want to show up for us. So with our kids, this becomes really deep because we want so much for them and we take so much responsibility for their future and how they succeed in the world and how healthy they are. And so this dream checklist is specific to kids, but I can share another version that can be applied to any relationship. And so if you see the categories on this list, the dream checklist we have for our kids is very broad and deep. So it covers things like academics, how hard should they study, where they should go to school, or what career they should pursue, internships, how they should get where they're going. It has to do with health and safety, the types of behaviors we want them to engage in or not engage in, drinking, alcohol, the types of social life and friends that they have, their love life, whether they should be in a relationship, having sex, how they should communicate with us, how they should communicate with others, their work ethic, their behavior, their identity. I mean, there are so many different categories here. So you can see, if you were to really write this list out, For each child in your life, for each person in your life, you would start to realize that whether you realize it or not, you have these dreams for all of the people in your life. And what you're doing is you're constantly evaluating the other person's behavior based on this list subconsciously. It's a list of all of the things you want the other person to say, do, and be. And the reality is, if they were to meet this dream checklist that you have of them, you would get to feel happy and at peace and less frustrated and anxious. And so you can see how we set ourselves up for failure because people don't, even the people we love, don't meet our expectations all the time. So understanding this checklist for yourself gives you an opportunity to take back all your power. But I want you to think about, go back to the beginning of the presentation where we're looking at the bubbles that we each have. And just imagine that all of us are walking around with these bubbles over our heads. And the bubbles are like these little judgments that we have about each other. And we're constantly evaluating other people against our dream checklist. And even with complete strangers, think about it. You have a checklist for how strangers in public should act. They should be polite. They shouldn't yell at you. They shouldn't honk or tailgate you. And notice how you're judging people you don't even know based on your checklist, because when they don't behave the way you want them to behave, you start to get annoyed. So even with a stranger, you could say that you have a relationship with that person, because even though they're a stranger, your relationship is your thoughts you're having about them, that they're impolite. They shouldn't be doing what they're doing. And these thoughts create the feelings of annoyance and frustration that we have. So these thoughts, these bubbles are our expectations for everyone in our life. It's what we want them to do, how we want them to act and treat us, the things they should say or not say. And with the people we care about deeply, particularly our kids or our partners or people who have been in our life for a really long time, we take this dream checklist really seriously, or at least the back of our mind does. We don't realize we are because we feel like it's so important. We have this long history with these people. So it's really easy to take it personally when people don't meet our expectations. We think about what it means about us. For a kid, sometimes it means we make it mean that we're failing as moms if our kids aren't fulfilling the checklist we have for them. Or we think about what it means about the other person, the long-term consequences of their actions. Or maybe we start evaluating whether or not they're the kind of people we want in our lives. So there's so many different ways we judge other people against our expectations. 
And this dream checklist, it's not right or wrong, right? This again is not about judgment. This is about self-awareness. And this dream checklist didn't come from nowhere. It has been informed over time based on your values, the way you grew up, based on your religion or culture or the experiences you've had in your life, your education, your social circle. And all of this informs the lens through which you view other people. So if you're frustrated, what's really happening is the other person doesn't share your lens. They're not doing what you want them to do. They have a different perspective. And that perspective is being driven by their thoughts and their checklist of what they want for their life. So we can either keep trying to enforce our dream checklist on other people, or we can step back and understand the only power we have is over our dream checklist, our expectations, and understanding why they're important to us. And we don't have to change our expectations. This isn't about convincing ourselves that our kids shouldn't be safe and successful, right? But when you're not aware of what your expectations are, you act unconsciously. But when you do become aware of your expectations, you get all of your power back because you get to decide on purpose how you want to show up. Okay, so at this point, I want to invite you to ask questions. If you'd like to get coached, please feel free to raise your hand. I would love to bring someone up to get coached on this. If you have a relationship in your life, or if you had a burning question that you would love to get coached on, and it's not this, I'm happy to coach you on that too. I have one question. Wonderful. Don't we need to guide our teen in doing things so it's a life learning lesson to prepare them in life? And how do they learn if they don't know? Excellent question. Thank you so much. So again, this isn't about changing our expectations, right? So first you understand for yourself why it's important for your teen to do a certain thing. And I think because as you saw from the dream checklist, there's so many different things that we want for our child. We can find ourselves like a -a whack-a-mole trying to get them to fulfill the entire list. So I think it's helpful to lay out your entire list of expectations so that rather than nagging them about everything from cleaning their room to getting good grades to having nice friends to all the things, you can really evaluate which are the important areas where I think it's mission critical for my child to have a lesson. And what are the areas where I can potentially let things go? Right. And so that's what I mean by understanding your expectations, why they're important to you, because then you get to decide how you show up with your teenager. So there might be some absolutely critical, non negotiable things that you want for your teenager that you feel are important for you to share with them and sit down and maybe even set boundaries around. Like if they cross a certain line, there are going to be consequences because it's that important. But then there are other things that you might realize these are nice to have. These are more about me and what I want than they are about things that are going to have a long-term impact on my kid. And maybe I can learn to let that expectation go or fulfill that expectation in a different way. Mm, This is a great question. Okay. The idea of being friend versus parent. Such a great question. Think about when you're characterizing those two things for yourself, what do you think about and what it means to be a friend versus a parent? And I would challenge you to really consider that you probably have a certain way that you want your relationship to be with your child, right? You want, I would imagine, we all want these healthy, positive, engaged relationship with our kids, right? And so sometimes we can think if we show up in the right way, 
that our relationship will be better, right? So sometimes we'll think about, we want to create this positive relationship and therefore I need to kind of err on the friend side, like not set boundaries and not have consequences and just kind of let everything go and let them decide. And sometimes we do that because we're so afraid of creating that conflict, right? Because we notice whenever we set boundaries, then we get the pushback. And being a parent sometimes feels like having to set too many boundaries. And then you feel like you're a cop and then you're getting more pushback. And so that we can perceive that somehow if we err too much on one side or the other, that we're creating a negative dynamic with our child. But again, it goes back to how we think about the relationship with our child and our expectations. And so there are times when, for example, if your expectation is and your your dream checklist includes your child being safe, not getting into a drunk driving accident, I would consider that an area where we want to set boundaries, like very clear boundaries, very clear consequences, right? Whatever that looks like for you. There are other situations where the kid's room's a mess and you feel like you're nagging them constantly to keep their room clean. That's a situation where you can ask yourself, do I need to set consequences around this or am I willing to let go and just like shut the door and let the kid have a messy room? Because it's clear that their expectations for their room are different than my expectations of the room. And in that case, you may not need to set any boundaries or consequences because it's an expectation that you have that you realize is more about you and how you want your house to look than it is about some long-term consequence for your child. And so rather than thinking about it as friend versus parent, I'd encourage you to think about it as how do you evaluate your dream checklist for your child and decide which are the areas that are so important that you want to approach your child in a constructive way, whether that be sitting down and having a collaborative conversation with them around how can we meet in the middle on this? How can we, um, how can we figure out a solution that works for both of us? Or maybe on the other end of the spectrum, it's this is something I'm willing to let go, or this is something that's so important, we're going to set rules around it, and there'll be consequences if the rules are broken. So hopefully that answers your question. Okay, here's another great one. I'm curious about how to apply this when you're struggling to trust the person, the teen, the boss, the partner that you're in a relationship with. That's like my basic foundation for my dream checklist, that we start with a foundation of trust. I feel like taking my power back means that they need to earn my trust back before we can even have a relationship, but they need to want the relationship and want my trust. So it feels like a mutual power. Does that make sense? Okay. So trust is a feeling that you have based on your thoughts about another person. You can decide at any point to trust somebody. And so when you think about what it takes to earn your trust back, it means you're looking for someone to behave in a certain way so that you can believe that you can trust them right? And you don't have to trust anybody. You don't have to give that to anyone, right? But you can always decide to trust someone. And again, you know, it goes back to boundaries. I can trust you. And if you break my trust, that's a boundary that's not acceptable to me. Here are the consequences. And maybe the consequence is walking away from the relationship. Maybe with a teen, the consequence is you're grounded, right? And so that's why boundaries are about, they're so powerful and we think they're about rules and consequences, but they're actually a way to protect ourselves, right? Because then we know exactly how we're going to show up in situations where things go totally against what we want them to go, right? 
So, you know, for example, if you're in a relationship with a, a partner who you trust and expect to be faithful and they break that trust, that's a boundary they've crossed. So your thought is that you can no longer trust them, right? Your, your thought is they've broken a boundary and now you're feeling distrust. And now you get to decide how you want to show up. This is all about your power, right? We can't control the other person. If they're going to be unfaithful to us, we have no control over that other than saying to them, I'd love for you to be faithful. This is a, this is a relationship where I'm expecting both of us to be faithful. And if you're not, that's a boundary that's crossed. And this is how I show up after I've learned that you've lost my trust. And in other relationships with a teenager where you're not going to walk away from them, but there are situations where they might erode your trust because you observe their behavior and you're thinking that's behavior that's against the rules and I'm not trusting you. However, if you have a clear boundary and consequence in place, then you get to respond in a way that's not reactive because you can clearly say the trust was broken and here are the consequences and hope that over time there's learning involved on the team's part. And so again, think about trust as something that's entirely in your control, right? The other person's behavior is not, but you get to decide whether to trust them or not. Thank you all for your incredible questions. I'm happy to stay on for a few minutes if anyone has any other questions or follow up, but I invite you to tell people about these calls. Um, So please feel free to pass it along. I also have a one-on-one coaching program. It's a 10-week program where I do exactly what I did with Gwendolyn on a one-on-one basis, but I have teaching materials that we go through every week that takes you through this process of self-coaching so that you can really do this, what I'm doing with you for yourself so that you're able to take your power back in a way that's something that you're not relying on a coach or a therapist to go through with you. And it applies to every aspect of your life, not only your relationships, but as we've talked about with Wendelin, your relationship with yourself your relationship with who you want to be, what you want to create, and how you learn to create that relationship without letting go of the people that you love and what that even means to let go. Thank you so much for being here on this call. I am very, very grateful to you. Wendelin, thank you again for stepping up to be coached, and I will see you all very soon. If you enjoyed this podcast, please leave a review and check out our coaching program, Mom 2.0 at www.thesmalljar.com. You have more power than you think, my friend.